Hey friends, this is Mario J. Radford. I'm the pastor of Growth Point Church, and this is our podcast. I pray that it connects, leads, and maybe introduces you to a growing and life-changing relationship with Jesus. Now let's go into the message. series of keep growing we're in week five of that and uh, uh, let's go ahead and make our confession will you lift up your phones your ipads your tablets whatever you got and let's make our confession together are y'all ready y'all got in your hands go ahead lift it up if you don't have a phone or anything just lift up something just lift it up and let's go ahead and let's say this together ready let's go this is god's word for my life i read it receive it I'm going to 2 Peter, the first chapter, because that's where our series has been coming from, and we've been walking through every single word. I hope that every word every week is challenging you or helping you to grow in some area. Uh, verse 5 says, for this very reason, make every effort uh, to supplement or to add to your faith. Can any of you all say that every week we have a word, you're challenged with that very word that week? Anybody say that, that whatever that particular word we're dealing with, uh, with your faith, with virtue, we talked about that with character, uh, with virtue or with character, add knowledge, knowledge me and gnosis, and with gnosis, knowledge, self-control, which is mastery, a discipline, and then with self-control, steadfastness, which is what we talked about last week, which is the ability to endure with patience. And today, we want to deal with the word godliness. Godliness. I want to talk for a few moments today about the honor code. The honor code. Someone say, I need a code. Father, thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The honor code. Um, I was raised um, in a different time um, than some of you have been raised in. Um, I was raised where there were certain um, words that we used to um, ascribe respect to people. Um, I was raised in the country, and I don't know if it's a country thing, but I was raised where uh, we didn't just call people by certain names, but we had certain handles that we put before their name. Um, it was um, uncle so-and-so, even if they weren't your uncle, um, but brother so-and-so, even in the church community, we wouldn't just say uh, special K. We would say sister special K or, or whatever, or brother so-and-so. Um, I'm not asking that we go back to that, but it was just certain words that we said um, just to show respect to people. Let your parents catch you not saying respectful words to someone. And they would um, lovingly snatch you. <laughs> um, I remember many times asking, that's not my uncle. They said, it's what you're going to call them. It wasn't my uncle by blood, but it's my uncle by community. Um, I was a few days ago around a little child that was probably three or four years old. And they said, when I walked in, I was somewhere and they said, hey, Mario. And I was like, what you call me? I, I, I realized I said it so fast, I didn't know I had to catch myself. I said, you ain't my child. But it had nothing to do with them acknowledging my name. It had everything to do with you too young to not say mister. You're too young. Um, too young to even do that. There, I remember when I first went to Kentucky State, um, I was in my first staff meeting. And I was in the room with professors 
that had once been, been my teacher when I was growing up. So now I was on equal playing field with them as a staff. And I remember the first time one of them said to me, when staff meeting, I said, Dr. So-and-so. They said, oh, no, 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 you don't have to call me that. You have to call me by, you can call me by my first name. I said, you will forever be Dr. So-and-so to me. Just because we're on the same pay grade does not mean my respect level changes for you. Sometimes you have to remind people of that just because they grew up with you, just because they think they know you, does not mean that we're on equal playing field. You have to constantly tell people, hey, I'm just a little bit, might be two years older than you, but there's something different. If, if I had one guy here, he would say, put some respect on my name. Somebody just holler out right now, put some respect on it. Just put some respect on it. It is, has nothing to do uh, with wanting to be called something. It's nothing to do with that. Um, but I never have called my mom Calvania. <laughs> Try it, <laughs> but I've never done because that's my mama who carried me way before I could say the words mama. So there's a certain level of respect because she carried me. You have to make sure you respect those who carried you through different seasons through different times and through different storms, no matter how comfortable you get with them, make sure you put some respect on that. So here, I feel that according to this particular scripture that we're talking about today, that there are certain things that I feel or I sense strongly that the Lord is really wanting to teach us or to bring to us in these times and in this season right now. And one of those, I believe, is godliness. In this particular wording of the word godliness in the Greek, there's a word uh, called Eusebia. Eusebia. Someone say Eusebia. Say it again. Say Eusebia. Trying to teach y'all a new word. Eusebia. It is how the word is pronounced. It means piety towards God. Can you turn me up just a little bit? Uh, maybe not out there, but up here. It says piety towards God means reverence or respect. I sense very strongly that in some cases, we have lost some Eusebia when it comes to God. I'm not talking about his church, his house. I'm talking about just God himself. That there is a level of respect and honor and piety towards him. Um, when I was growing up, Marcus, uh, we would oftentimes, uh, I'm not suggesting this at all, but you would get in trouble for walking across the pulpit. <laughs> because there was a certain respect that was for the pulpit area that you couldn't walk on certain areas. And if you even try, well, I was just trying to get to the other. No, you weren't trying. You're going to walk around. you go going to get up these other steps because there was certain levels of respect. I remember a time, and I want to age myself, I remember a time that people would listen to whatever music, R&B, hip-hop, or whatever, but when they got around the church, they would turn their music down just out of respect for the house of God. I remember people who would be agile cussers in the street. Literate cussers. I mean, very fluent in a certain language. And they would get in church. They say, let me tell you something. If it were not for these pews in this house right now, I would tell you what I'm really feeling. But because of God, <laughs> there was a certain respect that was there. I grew up in a way, and just telling you for me to put myself in this so that you don't think that there's anything coming towards you. I remember a time that even uh, when it came to the way that we lived, um, that we might have done whatever we did on Saturday or on Friday. But when it came to church, we were like, Lord, if there's anything in me that should not be, 
I want to enter holy. I want to enter righteous. Lord, clean my mind, sanctify my heart, purify me of all things. It would be me. It had nothing to do with anybody else. It was a personal thing. And I'm wondering, there's not a lot of Eusebia anymore in the church. Now, oftentimes, people will come in with all types of things, all types of attitudes, irritation, and everything, and not think anything. I'm not talking about you, but just God, just to check yourself enough to say, I'm in the wrong spirit right now to even try to minister. I'm not in the right place to even be trying to sing. I'm not in the right place to be even trying to preach. I respect God too much to play games with his fire. I respect him too much. Like, he, he's too important to me. Like, he's too great to me. Like, if it had not been for him, I wouldn't even be here. Like, I honor him too much that I need to go sit in my car for five more minutes. I know church is getting ready to start, but I got to sit here because my attitude's wrong. Me. Not anybody else. I was in a gossip thread on my way to church, and I need to ask the Lord to forgive me for talking about instead of praying for his people. Me. The, the lack of Eusebia, that we have more praise breaks and less repentant confessions. Everybody shouts, everybody runs, everybody praises, everybody wants to ta 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 bo 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 shita, but all that type of stuff. But there's no inner repentant work that's happening. I'm afraid, I'm scared that in this time and in this season where we're more casual than ever, that we are so casual that we have lost our Eusebia for God. That it has nothing to do with your appearance. It has nothing to do with what you look like. It has nothing to do with what you wear. But I want to know, is heaven asking you to put some respect back on his things? I'm, I'm missing the preachers who had oil. I'm, I'm missing the pastors. That's why I had no issue with what Caesar was doing. Because there's a certain point where people live in an area of consecration. That flow happens. That has nothing to do with program. It has everything to do with respect for God. And they ask and say, according to the order of this house, is it okay? But for some of us, you were like, I thought the pastor is the only person that can lay hands. That's what's wrong with you. You made an idol out of a person instead of lifting up Jesus. He said, if I I be lifted up not the pastor if I be lifted up he can use a donkey if he wants to if you're available he'll use you but he'll use you according to your respect level I know many people who can sing far better than me I know many people who can preach far better than me but can't nobody respect God more than me because when I think of what he did for me, when I think about how he delivered me, can't nobody respect God like I respect him. I'll preach me, but you'll never be more grateful than me. I'll sing me, but you'll never be more grateful for me. Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. Somebody say, I'll never forget. Orally services start with respect. I'm talking about there's some choirs I've been around that didn't hit first note. But the level of respect that was in the choir. They got up there and started clapping their hands and people forgot whatever song they were supposed to be singing. Because they started reflecting on the goodness of Jesus. I'm talking about worship leaders who grab the microphone and all they say is come on magnify the Lord with me. And they never get past that. And they forget about the whole song because the presence was more important than the set. But that comes from 
respect. Someone in the room said, I need respect. I need respect. So in this, this, I feel like preaching. So in this scripture, we find that there was, um, I'm going to sanctify myself, Guillaume. There was sin in the camp. Uh, there was sin with God's people. Please understand this for those of you who say you don't, the reason you don't come to church because of the hypocrites and the reason I don't come to church is because of the sin. Well, stop going to Walmart. It's so unclean in the church. Well, stop going to Olive Garden. Stop going because there's a lot of uncleanliness that goes in the kitchen. But by the time they bring it to you, it's clean. Some of us are just in the kitchen. Some of us just hadn't been washed completely yet. So when you see me, I still got suds on me because what was on me hasn't come off of me just yet. Don't, don't judge me because of where I currently am. Don't judge me because by the time he gets through with me, <laughs> somebody say he's not through with me yet. He's, he's not through with me yet. So here there was sin in the camp with the Israelites. We don't know what that particular sin was, but there was sin. And we find out that David um, was tempted, doesn't say this in the scriptures, historians say that he was tempted by the devil to do a census for the people, which means that he was tempted to number the people. Uh, he was tempted to see how many people that he had in the military, um, how many people that were there that could assist in basically fighting off what was coming towards them. Um, that's what he was uh, caught up in and one of his troops even said uh, to him the commander of the troops said may the Lord multiply whatever it is you think don't even worry about the numbers don't even worry about the census but the king's orders uh, demanded that he wanted to have a census he wanted to know the people he wanted to know how many so when he came back he said oh you have about 800,000 I mean is that what you need to know you have about 800,000 the reason I'm teaching this because some of you might not have heard this story before he said you have about 800,000 and after that soon as he heard the number of people that he had in his military it says automatically his heart or his consciousness troubled him because he felt as if or realized that he has sinned before God. Some of you miss the part that he sinned because according to you, you have top areas of sin. You have certain things that God doesn't like, but when it comes to you, there's always a loophole. There are certain things that God despises, and it's never you. <laughs> it's always someone else's stuff, but it's never your stuff. <laughs> so you miss the area that David sinned in because it didn't register with you. Well, the area that David sinned in as far as learning how many of us start, how we learn how to honor God, the first thing is we realize that there is a, or we feel like, as David felt, that he had sufficiency. Now, the word sufficiency means, or if I could add, change it to say self-sufficiently, self-sufficiency, David felt as if he had enough to be able to do it on his own. So he was caught up in the number. He was caught up in the people. He was caught up in what he saw. So because of what he saw, it caused him to move into a state of pride. To where his pridefulness made him feel like he was great according to the number of people that were following him. 
Pride will sometimes make you lie on yourself. Pride made him feel sufficient. Felt, he felt like he was okay and that he was fine. And he was like, oh, everything we got, everything we needed. His sin was not in numbering the people. That wasn't his sin. His sin was getting caught up in his own stuff called vain glory. I haven't really tell you the last message I've heard on vain glory. I can't tell you the last time I heard any preacher talk about how we sometimes think we're better than God. And how we are so gifted, so skilled, so talented that sometimes if you're not careful, you'll believe your own hype. You'll get caught up in your own stuff. Have you ever wore an outfit and looked at yourself and said, you did that good? That's an outfit. But have you ever prayed for somebody and when the answer came, you wanted to get the credit for it? Come on, be real. Well, you got the credit and somebody got a car, somebody got a breakthrough or whatever, and you inserted yourself and said, yeah, I prayed for him. As if your prayer was what was used to get somebody to their breakthrough. Why is it that you just can't be a piece of the puzzle that God used to be able to fill the whole picture? To be able to say, that one of the things I love about the pastor of King's Church that he came here when he said, he said, growth point is just a piece of a larger puzzle. Forever, for us to ever insert ourselves and to be able to say we are the answer for all of Lexington? Like, we really think that we're so powerful that we can erase racism in all of central Kentucky? Why can't we just be a part of the band? Just to be able to say, I'm just happy being used by God however he wants to use me. I don't have to be in the front. I don't have to be called. That was one of the things a long time ago. I remember uh, uh, when we first started, we, a lot of people, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, downing them at all, but there are a lot of people who, when they have different flyers and different things like that, they make sure that they're, they are on the bottom of the flyer to make sure that y'all know who the pastor is. And I said, I don't want my name. I don't want my, I don't want my picture at the bottom of it because it doesn't matter who the pastor is. Because if I pass away, there's going to be another one. So I don't want them ever to be caught up in the image of me, but I want them to be caught up in the mission that we have to lead and connect lives to Jesus at every point, not to connect lives to me. Don't exalt me. I'm just like you. The church is real quiet in the sanctified Sunday because you want to think that I'm better than you. That's a lie. If I don't do the same work that you have to do, then I could just be like anybody else. I have to consecrate myself. I have to purify myself. I have to get my mind together. I have attitudes just like you. I want to clock just like you. And I have to ask the Lord myself, bright on my tongue. Let my words edify. Let the words of my mouth be accepted when I say. Take charge of my thoughts both day and night. Order my steps in your word. I got to do the same thing. Somebody say, order me too. All of us got to work on ourselves. Everybody. You don't get exempt because you got a title. Matter of fact, to whom much is given, much more is required. So David got caught up in sufficiency, saying, oh, we got enough. And when he got to that point and he realized, he said, I've sinned. I've erred greatly. 
David's heart struck him in verse 10. And it says, David said to the Lord, I've sinned greatly in what I've done. He said, but now, Lord, please take away this iniquity that I've done. I've done foolishly. And as soon as David confessed that, it says that God sent a word to a prophet. Sent a word to the prophet named Gad. He sent that word to the prophet Gad. He said to him, he said, go and say to David, thus saith the Lord, three things I offer you. I offer you. Choose one of them that you may do it. Now, this part right here I want to teach you because some people... Um, I know we feel like we're in a culture where there are no consequences for sin. This is going to be a rough one, I tell. We feel as if there are no consequences and that we can do whatever we want to do because grace covers all. And though I do believe in grace, but there's another part of the scripture that we often quote. It says, shall we continue in sin that grace may continue to be spread to you? God forbid. What that means is where he's established grace, he's giving you an opportunity to change. Don't play games with the opportunity. So when that happened, God sent a word to the prophet. And he said, God's going to deal with you according to what you did. Hear this. But you get to choose how God deals with you. God's going to deal with you, but you get to choose. He said, door number one, you can be chased by people on every hand. That's door number one. He said, door number two, you can have famine in all the land. Door number three, I can send corona. I'm sorry, I can send pestilence. I can send sickness in the land. Your choice. David responded. I feel Jesus, though y'all might not, but I do. David responded. He said, I don't want to be put in the hands of man. Because I don't trust man. He said, but put me in the hands of God. Because God is merciful. And at some point, he'll stop messing with me. Put me in the hands of God because he's merciful. He said, so God's punishment was going to be to put sickness on the land. I would like to, to argue with you right now and tell you something that you might not know. I do not believe that God has shut down the government. God shut down the world. But I do believe with all my heart, God is responding to an arrogant country. I believe with all my heart that we have become so sufficient in ourselves, so sufficient in our stuff, so sufficient in our education and so sufficient in our large buildings and our large churches and all the followings that we have and so sufficient in our Instagram followers and so sufficient in all of our trendy topics that God has allowed something to get us back on our knees. I never thought in my day and in my time I would see people communicating through masks. Never thought that in my day or in my time, I would be hesitant to shake somebody's hand. 
I never thought in my day that we would all be tested and tempted by the same thing at the same time. But it's something about how God gets your attention. How God would put pause on the program and say, until you put some Eusebia back in this thing, I'm going to send pestilence through the land. So y'all don't understand the word. According to the word, God sent Moses to deliver the people. But God told Moses, I'm going to harden the heart of Pharaoh. Some of y'all want a new president. I ain't worried about who's in office. What I'm worried about is God still on the throne. Because he said, even if the leadership don't change, I'm still going to perform miracles. Even if the leadership don't change, I'm still going to protect you. I wish I had a shouting, grateful church that says that even if they do something crazy, I still got you. Somebody lift your hand and say, say, he still got me. He still got me. He still got me. He still got me. So pestilence was in the land. He said, pestilence was in the land. And it says that after that, the word came to him. And after he moved from sufficiency, Mel, he moved from sufficiency to surrender. Because when you realize that you're not enough, when you realize that you're not as gifted as you think you are, when you realize that no money can keep it from coming to you. <laughs> when you realize that it rains on the just as well as the unjust. When you realize that you're going through the same thing as your neighbor. It will get you to the point where you start saying, Father, I stretch my hands to thee. No other help. Somebody say no other help. There is something about surrender that will humble you. It'll get you back to the point that you don't want to be judgmental no more. It'll get you to the point that you don't have time to gossip no more. It'll get you to the point that you'll say, I need thee. Oh, I need thee every hour. Surrender. Somebody say, I got to surrender. I got to surrender. So David said, David said, he said, I got to, I got to, I got to get to the point. Where I realize that I can do nothing without you. He said, because I've sinned, I've done wickedly. Because what happened is pestilence went through the land. Sickness went through the land. 70,000 people died. There was a governor reporting every day saying there's a rise. There's, there's a spike. There's more sicknesses. And there's more death. All of a sudden, at some point, someone say at some point, some of y'all having a hard time receiving this word because you're used to fleshly stuff. But I'm trying to get you to see what God is doing right now in this season. Somebody say, I want to see what God's doing. I've had enough of being popular. I want to, I want to make sure that I'm relevant to today. Martin Luther King wasn't popular. He wasn't popular until he died. Now you want a holiday. But when he was here, they didn't want to be a part of anything that he was doing. And that's what's going on right now in the world. The word ain't popular until you need it. But when you need it, they say, what is God saying about this? So it says that, I feel like I'm preaching like a revival. So it says that God spoke, God spoke to the angel that was responsible for the pestilence in the land. 
Say that again. God spoke to the angel that was responsible for the pestilence in the land. God spoke and he said, that's enough. God said, that's enough. He said it to the angel. But David was still pricked in his heart about what he had done. So David got on his face. And I want y'all to read this when you get home. Sec, uh, read this whole chapter. When David got home, David was sitting there and David said, he said, God, will you please stop the pestilence? Because the sin is not with the people. The sin is with the leaders. The people didn't do anything wrong. The leader is who messed up. And so goes the head. So goes the body. Let me give you a warning right now, church. Let me speak to you prophetically just for one moment, and then I'm going to come back to myself because some of you can't handle Let me tell you something. In this season, be very careful who you attach yourself to. In this season, it is not about being friendly. I don't need a friend. I need a covenant partner. There is a difference in a friend and somebody who's in covenant with you. Somebody who is your friend will take you out to eat. But somebody who's in covenant will go to battle with you. David and Jonathan did not connect themselves because David was just a great person. When David opened his mouth, it said that Jonathan said, there's something about the words that you say that speak to my heart. Come on, Mary and Elizabeth. Mary was pregnant, but Elizabeth did not have movement in her body for a minute. But as soon as Mary showed up, something leaped inside of Elizabeth. And she said, oh my God, what Whatever you're carrying, I got to be attached to it. Somebody say, I need covenant. Covenant is not always gifted. Covenant singleton may not be gifted, but covenant is consecrated. Covenant may not be talented, but covenant can pray you through. Covenant may not have a lot of money, but covenant will be there when you need to cry on somebody's shoulder. Covenant may not have a big house, but covenant will invite you over to an apartment. Covenant may not have children themselves because of many miscarriages, but they'll watch your child because they're concerned for you. Somebody say, I need covenant. I need a consecrated person because you don't know the struggles that I got right now. You don't know what I'm dealing with right now. You don't know the demons that are plaguing me in my mind right now. You don't know what's happening to me. I feel like I'm going to lose my mind and I'm tired of flaky people around me. I need covenant. Somebody who can look in my eyes and see I need prayer. Somebody who can look at my child and say, can I pick him up just for a day? I don't want to know what's going on, but I see something going on in the house. And I just want to pray for them. I don't want to gossip. I just want to cover them. Somebody say, covenant. I need 
somebody who will walk with me through this. Not anybody who just wants to be footsie, play footsies. And I'm telling you something, coach. I've had lots of people who want to connect just because of what you look like in a certain season. But I remember people, when I call out certain people's name, it's not because I'm just trying to, to, to say I have certain people. It's not certain people are more close to me than others. But no, when I say certain names, it, it reminds me of covenant. When I say Claudia, it's not because I think Claudia can do no wrong. It's because I know there was a covenant relationship that whether Claudia is an assistant to me or she's not, there's something that's in our heart that unites us that no matter what you do, you can't disrupt our relationship because of covenant. Somebody say covenant. Who do you have in your life who was there for you when your mama died, when your daddy died? Who did you call when you got laid off? Who did you call when you found out something was going on with you and the doctor? That's covenant. The reason I'm going to do Gwen and Kenneth's funeral, their, their wedding, don't have nothing to do with me being a friend of Gwen. It's covenant. I've been there in her life too long. I know too much. I know where all the dead bodies are buried. It's called covenant. But you don't understand covenant. You understand creep. Covenant knows but covers. Creeps know and expose. Covenant knows but will cover you. Covenant will know, see you naked and lay a sheet on you and walk away because covenant is not interested in spreading business they're interested in covering you that they'll make sure you covered when you can't cover yourself surrender somebody say surrender david told god i messed up i'm almost through he said to god i messed up it wasn't the people it was me i wish we had more leaders who would just say it's me it ain't them Wish we had more pastors who would say it's not the church, it's me. Wish we had more missionaries and evangelists who would get before the people and say, I repent on behalf of me. The reason the church is a mess is because I'm a mess. The reason there's no prayer in the church is because there's no prayer in the pulpit. The reason there's no consecrated shape, consecration in the music is because the pastor's not worshiping. But if we would acknowledge from the pulpit, acknowledge from the front, and say it starts with me. If you find something in me, take it out of me. Someone say it starts with me. 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 So, so David said, deal with me. And so when he said, he said, Lord, it's me. And after that. The Lord required of him, Dr. Manuel, the Lord required of him, the, the prophet spoke to him. He said, if you really want this thing to move, you're going to have to establish an altar. <laughs> the next thing you have to move from surrender to sacrifice. Someone say sacrifice. Sacrifice in verse 18, the prophet Gad came to David. Here's what my text is. Gad, he came to him. He said, go raise an altar on the threshing floor. Someone say threshing floor. 
It's a sanctified term that some of you don't know. You never heard of a threshing floor. A threshing floor is a spot. I don't know if you have my picture. A threshing floor is a spot that they would take the wheat. And the cattle would trample on the wheat. They would trample on the wheat to get out anything that was not pure. They would trample on the wheat to separate what was real from what was fake. They would trample on the wheat to see what they could use and what they couldn't use. They would trample on the wheat. Joe said as soon as they finished trampling, and then the owner of the threshing floor would say, whatever survived, I can use that. <laughs> whatever made it through the trampling, I can use that. Whatever made it through the crushing, I can use that. Whatever made it through March, I can use that. Whatever made it through April, I can use that. Whatever made it through May, I can use that. Have I met you yet? Whatever made it through June, I can use that. Oh, sucks. It's July. Whoever made it to July, I can use that. Can we have a praise break for everybody who made it to July? But I made it. But I made it. But I made it. But I made it. I can still hear it beating me, but I made it. I can still feel what it crushed, but I made it. I can still feel what it did to me, but I made it. I can still see who left me, but I made it. I can still see who used to be there, but I made it. But I made it. Somebody just put your foot on the ground real second and say, whatever crushed me, now I'm crushing it. Whatever crushed me, now I'm crushing it. I made it. Somebody say, I was trampled on, but I made it. Somebody lift your voice, say, I was trampled on, but I made it. These tears streaming down my face ain't because I'm emotional. I ain't finished preaching. Y'all ain't got to go nowhere. I'm trampling. Y'all come back to your seats. I'm just walking around thinking about the months, thinking about what I've gone through, thinking about what tried to crush me. And the fact that I'm still here, the fact that I'm still preaching, there were many who started out with me, but now they're gone astray. But I'm still. still I'm still holding on somebody lift your voice and say I'm holding on if Marvin sat with here would say never would have made it <laughs> now I'm stronger because I was trampled on now I'm wiser because I was trampled on <laughs> somebody say I made it hey, hey. so Jesus. So David went towards Gad, told him, he said, the only way you won't get this lifted is if you establish an altar on the threshing floor. You're not going to survive this thing unless you get beat out. I'm not talking about abuse. I'm talking about there's still some kinks in you that I got to trample on. 
There's still some things in you I got to, I got to shift from you. There's still some things in you that, that you keep holding on to yesterday. And I'm not in yesterday anymore. I'm in today, but you keep remembering yesterday. And there's some areas I got to step on. There's still some flesh in you I got to step on. There's still some of you that you, you want to be saved and some of you don't want to be saved. I'm not talking about salvation as far as eternity. I'm talking about deliverance as far as right now. I got to trample on you some more. Someone say sacrifice. So what happened? I'm finished here. I'm almost finished. What happened here? See, it says that that threshing floor. Y'all can stay there. That threshing floor. That threshing floor, he said. He said, I, the person who owned it, Orna, he owned it, Erica. And he said, oh, you're the king. He said, you can have this. You don't owe anything. You can have this. Kareem, David said, oh, no. I don't want anything that I didn't pay a price for. There are some of you who the reason you're struggling in this season right now is because you're used to stuff being handed to you for free. And you want the, you want the hookup. I want whatever you can give me that's free. But David knows that God only responds to sacrifice. David said, I don't want anything I didn't pray for. I don't want anything I didn't lay on the floor for. I don't want anything I didn't labor for. He said, how could I get something that cost me nothing? How can I even appreciate what I didn't sacrifice for? He said, David knew he gave two offerings. One of the offerings was for a word called expediation. That means for atonement for my sins. So he had to give an offering or a sacrifice based on what he had done and what he had did to the people. But the other sacrifice, Gwen, was an offering or a sacrifice of thanksgiving. The second sacrifice was to say, according to the Old Testament culture, that if I have a sin or discretion, my sin has to be put on a scapegoat. A scapegoat was used to basically put the sins or ceremonially or symbolically put the sins on a scapegoat. And that sin that will be put on the scapegoat, they will put it on the, on the goat. And then all of a sudden the goat will leave and take the sins from the people. The first offering that he gave was on behalf of his sin. The second offering was, thank you for accepting my offering. It was a gratitude. Dr. Manuel, one of the reasons that I love when she prays, before she says anything, the first thing she does every time she prays, y'all think I don't know stuff, but I do. First time, every time she prays, she starts walking. She has a little, little bob she has. It's a sanctified little, little, little bounce. And all of a sudden she says, Lord, I just thank you. I just thank you. And if all of a sudden she starts saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And what I'm confused about is in the room right now is I'm trying to figure out why y'all think that you're so great that you're beyond a thank you. That you're beyond just saying, Lord, you could have killed me in my sin. Lord, you could have killed me in my wrong. Lord, you could have left me like you found me. Lord, you could have left me where I was. But I come to tell you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for keeping me in my right mind. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I wish I had a thankful church. They will open your mouth and say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, church. Come on, church. Come on, church. Hold on. Hold on. That didn't happen the way it's supposed to. Because sacrifice is messy. Sacrifice is my wrong mixed with his blood. Sacrifice requires something of me because I was trampled on. So if I survived the trampling, there has to be a sound that comes from my belly. Not a cute sound, but a sound of gratitude. So what I want, hold on, what I want, and excuse me for being a prophetic pastor for a second, but there are some teenagers that I see you trying to date right now, and you're sitting there looking at each other because they look so cute. If you're sitting beside somebody who can't survive the trampling, your relationship ain't gonna last anyway. They look cute until they get trampled on. They look nice until they get trampled on. But I want everybody who's got breath in the room for the next 60 seconds. Give God, give God, give God a praise.
See, let me tell you something. Let me tell you. I love my wife because if ain't nobody going to cover me, she's going to. But let me tell you something. I come from old school church. Old school, old school church means press your way. Press until the mic works. Press until the sound works out. Press until something shifts. I don't care about the mic. I care about your deliverance. I don't care about the mic. I care about your praise. Because God requires a sacrifice. Sacrifice. So when he went, I feel a praise, but excuse me, I'm all off the program, but, but I feel, what did the disciples say? They said, silver and gold, I don't have, but such as I have, such as I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus. Glory, glory. The devil thought he had me, but I got away. The devil thought he had me. But I got away. Give a praise. Give a praise. heart. Kenneth was sitting over there last Sunday, but between last Sunday and this Sunday, something tried to take his life, but that devil lied. It ain't time. This is not the season. Kenneth has got more to do, and you got more to do. Give God praise that you're still alive. Ashley, Ashley, come here for a second. Uh, uh, 
distinct times you said I'm through two distinct times you said I'm over it I'm done I don't even think I want to be a part of church anymore I don't even think I want to be a part of what God wants to do in my life but every single time you allow God to stomp on you and every time he stomped on you you kept getting back up you're not even sure why you're standing here today after all you've been through you're like I don't even know why I'm still here let me tell you something your story's not finished your story's not done you're not even about finished you're just getting started you got one more praise that you got to give God because when you praise him this time everything that's in your way is getting ready to shift somebody help Ashley give God praise
sacrifice praise. This is called a sacrifice praise. It's not convenient. It ain't pretty. But this is what I got. This is all I got, God. 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 This is all I got. This is all I got. This is all I got. This is This is all I got. This is all I got. This is all I got. Hey, this is all I got. This is all I got. If you can find anything, use me. Use me. If you can use anything, Lord, use me. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Jermaine, you probably have to edit that whole message. But listen, we're still live. You don't have to cut us off. This is called church. So what happened, church? Listen. After. After they gave the sacrifice. God lifted the sickness. read the end of the story Claudia and he does lift this thing America sacrifice America sacrifice if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves pray seek my face turn from your wicked way, then I'll hear from heaven. He'll heal the land. Can we give God praise that healing is coming? Healing is coming. Healing is coming. 
coming. Sacrifice, people. Everybody stand to your feet all over the room. Everybody stand to your feet. like this turn in my favor come on say sooner or later just turn in my favor do it again do that sooner or later come on come on turn in my favor do it again sooner or later turn in my favor it's turning around for me let me tell you as a nation, as a nation, and as a people, there is a recipe and an ingredient for the sickness to lift. Whether you wear a mask or whether you socially distance, God always responds to sacrifice. What I want you to do, what do we pray for? Pray that our leadership in the country would sacrifice. Forget about divides, forget about hashtags, but humble themselves. Pray. You know why David was a leader after God's heart, Christy? It's because though David messed up, he always returned back to God. I'm asking you, church, 
there's an honor code that God responds to. It starts with acknowledging that I'm not self-sufficient. I've got to surrender my ideals, my thoughts, my ways. I've got to move into sacrifice. That's, a, that's the last point. I didn't even get to it. Because after sacrifice came salvation. The word salvation means deliverance. Historians say, uh, Caesar, that the same place that he built the altar is the same place that Abraham sacrificed or brought up or brought up his son Isaac. And God replaced it with a ram. Historians also say that the same place that David made an altar is the same place that Solomon built a temple. Solomon was his son. Someone is going to build off of your sacrifice. One day, someone's going to tell your story. My mama, my daddy sacrificed on this land at this church. Somebody prayed for me here because they prayed. That's why I am the way I am. Thank you, Jesus. If you enjoy the word, let's give God praise and glory all over the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. While you're standing, we're going to end. We're going to go into those of you who are here, um, those of you who are streaming right now. um, If you haven't given your life to Christ, that's the greatest thing you could ever do. Um, Those of you who are streaming, we've sweated, we've screamed, we've done all that type of stuff. Our, Our first time guests, let me tell you, you know. We're just a radical church. That's just what we are. I just, I used to apologize for it, but it's just what we are. So I really, I thank you for not leaving, not going anywhere. Thank you for being a part of our, our church today, our experience. I pray that God did something to you. For those of you who are first-time guests, will you, um, I'm first, uh, excuse me, those of you not giving your life to Christ, uh, everybody repeat after me on behalf of those who have not given their life to Christ in the room or on streaming. Will you say after me, say, Lord Jesus, I sacrifice my heart come into my life thank you for sacrificing for me (laughs) so I give you my life come on say it with me I believe you died for me I believe you got up for me save me make me yours forgive me my sins I believe I'm saved in Jesus name amen if you're streaming you prayed that prayer I believe you got born again if you never given your life to Christ Go to um, Growth Point Church. Click on the I Believe tab. We'll make sure that you get connected somewhere. I want to take this time to thank you for your prayers, support, and generous giving that make this ministry possible. For more ways to connect, visit online at growthpointchurch.org. If you've enjoyed today's message, you can like, subscribe, share with your friends, or take a screenshot and share on your social stories and tag us at My Growth Point. Until next time, Keep growing.